0: You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6. Good evening and
1: thanks for joining us. A heartbreaking story tonight from a young survivor of that fatal apartment fire in North Vancouver.
2: The 14 year old returned to the scene today explaining how he tried desperately to save his mother and brother before the smoke and fire became too much. Our Tanya Beja is back at the building as well. And Tanya, this young man's story is devastating.
3: Chris, it is heartbreaking to hear so- Sohail's account of what happened, but there is no doubt he is a very brave young man.
4: I hear my dad yelling, Fire, fire. I run into the hallway, and then uh, I see fire coming through the front door, and the front door was burned down, and was fire coming closer and closer. <laughs>
3: 18-year-old Sohail Koshkoy Delshad tried to save his mother, 50-year-old Nargis Kasanjad, and his eight-year-old brother Sepir by pushing out a second-floor bedroom window, urging them to jump to the trampoline below.
4: I pushed him and he whipped his head back because he was scared, I guess. And I fell down. There was so much smoke. I couldn't see where they were. And I felt around. I couldn't feel them. And if I talked, smoke, more smoke would go in. So I didn't know what to do, and I just got up and jumped.
3: Fire tore through the 17-unit building around 2.30 Monday morning. Sohail's father jumped from a balcony moments before a propane tank exploded. Nargis and Sephir trapped inside.
4: I don't care about the apartment. I don't care about the possessions I lost. I just wish my mom and brother got out. I, I wish I was in their place. I wish they got out instead of me. <laughs>
3: Friends and family set up a GoFundMe page to cover funeral costs for the victims. Relatives wondering if survivors
5: will get the help they need. How can we get support for them? They have no house, they have nowhere to live, and... uh it's, it's, it's a difficult
3: situation. Seventy people were displaced from the Mountain Village Garden Apartments.
6: Support providers say finding affordable homes nearby will be nearly impossible. If you have a suite that you haven't rented out, somehow make that available to these families, these individuals, to help them in the short term, to help them in the long term.
3: The cause of the fire is still unknown. And as Sohail waits for answers, he mourns the loss of a brother and mother who shared a special bond.
4: But I'm I'm glad they died together at least, because my my mom couldn't live without my brother, and my brother couldn't live without my mom. At least I'm old enough to get through it, I guess. Wow,
2: he's going to need a lot of help getting through it, I think. Tanya, tenants affected by this fire do get help for 72 hours, official help, I guess, but what happens after that?
3: Well, Chris, the Lynn Valley Lions Club is looking to help these families get back on their feet. So they are accepting donations of household goods, clothing, toiletries. They've also set up an account at Blue Shore Financial where you can make cash contributions. But all of the information on how to help the victims and survivors
1: is now on our website. Chris and Sophie, back to you.
2: All right, Tanya. Thank you.
1: The RCMP Major Crime Unit is working with University RCMP after a body was found near Wreck Beach. The Coast Guard called out late yesterday afternoon when a boat operator spotted the body. It was brought back to Vanier Park where the coroner responded. A sailboat and rowboat believed to be connected to the incident were towed to a nearby marina for further examination. No names have been released. Grave concerns tonight about children in care. BC's Child and Youth Representative Bernard Richard expressing shock over the actions of a caregiver on the Lower Mainland. Our Ted Czernecki joins us live in our newsroom tonight with more on Richard's concerns. Ted?
0: Yeah, Sylvie, this comes in light of the Alex Gervais story. You might remember he's the young man who in September 2015 committed suicide by throwing himself out of an Abbotsford motel window. Now, Alex had been moved to care placement home 17 times in 11 years, so the odds of him landing in a dangerous environment were pretty high. And that's why one of the key recommendations from a ministry study is that all staff be forced to undergo background checks. But we learned today, almost a year and a half later, that that has not happened.
7: The first thing you think that would happen to me or you if we wanted to work in, a, in a, this kind of setting is to have a criminal background check. You can hardly drive other people's kids to school without some kind of, of, of background check, and it, these are, are caring for the most vulnerable kids in the province. It's not acceptable.
0: So this latest investigation found only 10 of 33 employees at an unnamed Lower Mainland placement centre had proper criminal checks. There were allegations some workers were involved in gangs, smoked and sold marijuana and cocaine. Nine employees have since been permanently barred from working for the ministry. Worse, province-wide, Richard says only about half of all care facilities have had proper criminal background checks. The minister responded today saying some of the delay is caused because there are some 2,000 staff members that need to be screened.
5: Well, there's 800 kids in, in residential care right now. I've said every one of them, their care plans have to be looked at to make sure that uh, the proper processes are in place, the proper care is in place, and I've given the
8: ministry
7: three months to make sure that that's done. We give them a lot of heads up uh, that they've known for a week that this statement was coming out. Uh, so I'm, I'm uh, actually concerned about the weakness of their, of their response. I think they need to be doing much more, uh, much more and much better.
0: So while all 800 cases of children in the minister's care must be reviewed within three months, it is still unclear when all criminal background checks will be complete. Chris, Sophie.
1: All right. Concerning stuff. Ted, thank you.
2: Well, day two of an inquest into the death of Lisa Dudley, who was shot in a targeted attack in mission in 2008. Dudley lay dying for four days before she was found and eventually succumbed to her injuries. At the time, 911 was called, but the officer who responded did not get out of his vehicle. Grace Key was back at the inquest today and Grace more difficult testimony, including Dudley's last message for her parents.
9: For the past decade, a paramedic never repeated some of Lisa Dudley's final words until today. Breaking down on the stand, Peter Smith testified that Lisa wanted him to let her parents know how sorry she was for what happened and that she loved her mother. Lisa's mother broke down in tears when she heard these words. Smith said it was, he was instructed not to speak of the case, and it was something that had clearly upset him for the past 10 years. Lisa's stepfather spoke about his frustration with the process.
10: That was very very important information the last word spoken so to speak so it's sort of and now to find out you go through a lot of mess trying to sort it all out so I am absolutely upset totally about that time frame and I think that something should be done our whole family feels as something should be done.
9: One of the officers who responded to Lisa's home testified that Lisa was responsive, but it was difficult for her to speak because of her injuries. So the officer would ask Lisa questions, and Lisa would blink if the answer was yes. She did blink when asked if it was a single shooter, male, and Caucasian. She also was able to whisper to the paramedic that it was scary when he came in through the door. The coroner's inquest wraps up on Wednesday. Chris?
2: All right. Thank you, Grace.
9: Well, what could be a
1: precedent-setting case is unfolding in the B.C. Court of Appeal involving Langley condo owners who lost their homes in a development deal that went bad. It all unfolded just days before they were supposed to move in. And as Nadia Stewart explains, this latest appeal is their last-ditch effort to keep them from losing everything.
11: It is the latest twist in a case affecting the lives of so many, including Fred West. Never thought his purchase of a condo in this Langley building a few years ago would end up in B.C.'s Court of Appeal.
0: The main concern here is uh, absolutely no protection for the uh, homebuyer, for the
12: consumer, none.
11: It all started back in 2015. People began buying pre-sale condos in Murrayville House, a 92-unit building. They never moved in. After a series of lawsuits, the building went into receivership. Turned out some of the units had been sold two, three, even four times. But earlier this year, a B.C. Supreme Court justice directed the receiver to remarket and sell 40 of the units, not at 2015 prices, but at 2018 market value.
13: We have hundreds of people who were ready to move in. were days away from moving in uh, on the street, on couches, uh, living with neighbours, who are now priced out of the market.
11: These lawyers represent over 30 buyers appealing the April Supreme Court decision, hoping new evidence will get the court to reconsider.
13: One of the main issues that uh, is before the court is how much money was actually advanced. What of those amounts are secured? What of those amounts are unsecured? Uh, The decision that was made seemed to lump
10: those amounts together. It's it's a difficult situation. Somebody's going to bear the burden. Just determining who is a a very difficult situation to be in.
11: And depending on the outcome of the appeal, this could be a precedent-setting case.
10: This is the first time in Canada that
13: a development that is ready for occupancy has been foreclosed on days before people were ready to move in.
11: The hope is the decision will come quickly for the sake of West and so many others like him. Nadia Sturck, Global News. Meantime, more pushback for the province's
1: new speculation and luxury home tax. Our Keith Baldry joins us with more details on that. Uh, Keith... This time, the criticism of the NDP government comes from a former NDP premier.
12: Yes, Mike Harcourt, no less, the Premier of the NDP uh, back in the 1990s. He's already been critical of that uh, so-called school tax increase on high-end properties over $3 million, the subject of a number of protests already. Uh, but today, Mike Harcourt was at a, a housing crisis or a conference on the housing crisis here in Victoria, and I asked him specifically about the speculation tax. Harcourt clearly feels and he doesn't think it's actually a speculation tax. It's too broadly defined and too widely applied. Uh, here's Mike Harcourt today. In his answer I think some form
2: of speculative tax uh, I don't have a problem with but I think this needs to a uh, famous second look you know the the, the tax on high um, value homes um, and some of the other measures that are cast too broadly and bringing in other Canadians from Alberta
0: and elsewhere
12: Speaking of Alberta, I was also talking to Stu Young, the mayor of Langford, just outside of Victoria, at that conference today. He tells me three major housing developments have been cancelled in Langford that would have been bought largely by Albertans as second properties because of the speculation tax. So the supply of housing already affected by a speculation tax, it doesn't even take effect until next year. All right, Keith, thanks for that. What a brutal
2: day for commuters in the Lower Mainland. After this accident in the afternoon, a semi flipped while trying to navigate the turn on the Highway 91 connector at Highway 17. Eastbound traffic was impacted for several hours. And that was after this morning, a container on a semi truck that slammed into an overpass on Highway 1 in Langley. The container slid off the back of the semi trailer, completely blocking the right-hand lane for a time. RCMP say there is signage warning drivers the overpass is coming up for over-height trucks to take a detour. The incident is under investigation. The driver could receive a $115 fine. Well, you may have seen video of a large black bear running through a Port Moody Park on last night's news hour, And while surprising, given the area, it's not entirely unexpected. But tonight, a black bear in a much more shocking location. Aaron MacArthur reports on the animal, checking out a backyard pool in East Vancouver.
14: An early morning, hesitant test of the water for an unexpected house guest. A juvenile black bear wandering around homes along Wall Street in East Vancouver. It's not unheard of in this part of the city,
12: but it is rare. I think it's just a baby. We tend to have at least one uh, report of uh, a bear entering the the city of Vancouver a
14: year. Wow, that right. is crazy. It seems the black bear had been making the rounds. Monday night, it was spotted along Renfrew Street at the PNE. Witnesses reporting there was more than one bear in the area. My first thought was, oh,
15: there's a guy dressed up in a bear suit coming out of the PNE. Then you actually realized it was actually a bear. So and I was like, oh, they must be here to protest the pipeline or something.
14: uh uh-uh. As we saw on Sunday in Port Moody, bears are commonplace in the Tri-Cities. The East Van Bear was tranquilized this morning with the help of the VPD. Considering how far it traveled, conservation officers not sure if it can be rehabbed or re-released to the
12: wild. Black bear... Obviously took a number of risks to uh, come into this urban area. And so uh, we have to take into consideration uh, what this bear is willing to tolerate uh, when it comes to deciding whether uh, he will be released or being put down. A bear in the city, so unusual, even the cops were taking pictures.
14: But it does serve as a reminder. Everyone needs to manage bear attractants to avoid this kind of wildlife encounter. Aaron MacArthur, Global News.
2: Right now, though, a Victoria resident is ruffling a lot of feathers with her backyard inhabitants. The property owner is raising nearly 100 chickens in a residential neighborhood.
1: That is well beyond the 15 backyard fowl allowed within city limits. So why hasn't something been done? Kylie Stanton has the story.
6: It started out small, just a few backyard chickens roaming this two-acre Rockland property. But that was then... This is now. Well, the owner of the chickens maintains that there are 99 of them. The truckload of poultry was delivered here in mid-March, before the city of Victoria passed new rules limiting the number of backyard chickens to 15. But even with the bylaw now in place and the owner being warned, nothing's been done. The chickens are still here. There are far more than 15 of them. So if a bylaw cannot be enforced, then what use is it? In a statement, the City of Victoria says if a property is in violation of the provisions, our standard approach is to seek voluntary compliance through discussions with the property owner. In the event voluntary compliance is not achieved, the city would seek authority to enforce the bylaw through the courts. And so, in the meantime, neighbours are having to take matters into their own hands. There's one right here. Setting traps, not for the chickens, but what they're attracting. It's like a rat buffet. Meager is out of pocket, paying for the pest control that's ultimately the owner's responsibility. We have to protect our property and our family. Finally, for the first time today, traps were set on the property. The company declined to comment out of consideration for their client. Their client, Wei Too, did not return calls for an interview. But in March, told Global News this was all about food sustainability. It's only for the eggs. Eggs is going to be
16: shared among our residents there.
6: And despite the violation, there's a chance it could continue. Council will discuss amendments to the bylaw this Thursday that would allow council to exempt a person or property if, in council's opinion, the application of that provision would result in undue hardship. Meager calls it yet another delay tactic. And it's quite laughable. On this side of the fence, the solution is straightforward. It doesn't matter what part of town you're in. It doesn't matter where you are. It's just wrong to have
1: this. Kylie Stanton, Global News, Victoria. Well, we are heading into the busy summer travel season, and whether it's a business or personal trip, chances are you may be forced to book something at the last minute.
2: Our consumer reporter, Andrew, is here with some tips to get the best deal. That's
13: right. Flexibility is a key word here. Mm-hmm. Thanks, you two. Although it may feel like you have no other option, you can save money if you're savvy. Here's a look at how pricing works with some of the last-minute travel choices available and what you need to know before booking. Don't expect to strike a deal, though, on regular flights with scheduled carriers like Air Canada and WestJet or low-cost airlines as tickets generally get more expensive closer to departure. Deals are typically found on charter flights to hot spots and Europe. Airfare and packages will go on sale last minute and two to three weeks ahead of travel dates. Cruises offer a bigger window between 60 and 75 days out for last minute deals. Hotels know how many rooms are booked, and if they've got vacancy, they'll drop prices to get the revenue. Check the day before, and you might score yourself a bargain. Bottom line, you can save money by waiting until the last minute, but you must be flexible and, of course, do your research.
16: What you give up is one big thing, and for a lot of people, it's too big, and that's choice. So you may not be able to fly on the date you want, leave on the date you want, stay in the hotel that you want or get the star rating you want. Do your research and also know what that fare is for whatever you're looking at is regularly. It may not be that significant of a savings, even though they're advertising it as a last minute deal. So you should know what you're paying for.
13: So again, the more flexible you are, the better luck you'll have taking advantage of the deals available. As for extra costs, the late deals don't have any additional fees than what you would normally see, which would be applicable taxes and booking fees. And if you have a consumer issue for me, you can reach me. There's my email address at globalnews.ca.
1: All right. Thanks very much, Ann. Well, the company's motto is the power to surprise. But a couple who bought a brand new Kia hybrid didn't get the surprise they wanted.
2: Their $49,000 vehicle lost power on a busy highway and then it happened again. Global Sean O'Shea has the details. We decided on a 2018 Kia Nero Hybrid.
10: Randy Starr and his wife wanted a car that would save them fuel, but new car buyers' euphoria was short lived. Took possession first week of March and then uh, on April 26th, the car died on me on the highway. Their Kia hybrid lost power on highway 401, a dangerous place to have a mechanical failure. I lost a lot of the functionality of the car. I lost all ability to accelerate. You had to basically floor it and you would very slowly accelerate. If I would hit the brakes, the car would be very choppy. Starr took the car into Plaza Kia in Toronto for evaluation. came out said he drove it for 20 minutes, everything's fine. But it wasn't fine. The car broke down two more times, he said. Well, there's been three failures and now they're trying the fourth fix. Frustrated, told they wouldn't get their car back until next month, they went on social media and called Global News. You actually commented on the post saying that you're getting involved and magically I got an email this morning at 8 o'clock saying that magically the motor has arrived and the car is being fixed as we speak. Kia told Global News, being without your vehicle can be frustrating. Kia Canada goes to great lengths to stand by our products and have won numerous quality awards because of that. In rare cases, diagnosis and repairs take longer than expected, as these are very high-tech products. Star is off to the dealership to get their new car back, finally. He leaves optimistic. 47 days later, we finally got the car back and they took very little accountability, if any at all. They said there should be no more problems. But on a sizzling hot day, this new vehicle's air conditioning system is now not cooling. Starr takes it back to the dealership for yet another fix. He's not feeling very confident in the car for an upcoming road trip. I'm nervous to, to have the car go for two hours out of town. What's going to happen? He says after all the problems with the Kia, he and his wife wanted their money back or a new vehicle, something not offered. There's what's right and what's moral and what's legal and all those things, you know, don't always coincide. And the fact is, every other industry, you buy a lemon, They give you a new one, or they give you your
2: money back. Sean O'Shea, Global News. Well, there is no lemon law in Canada when it comes to automobiles. Once you buy it, you're stuck with it. And new cars like hybrids and electric vehicles are complex and can be very difficult to fix, leaving owners with hefty repair bills if they're not covered by the warranty.
0: Honestly, I think he's going to do these things. I may be wrong. I mean, I may stand before you in six months and say, hey... I was wrong. I don't
5: know that I'll ever admit that, but I'll find find some kind of an
1: excuse. The U.S. president emerging triumphant last night after he signed a denuclearization document with North Korean Kim jong North Korean leader, I should say, Kim Jong-un. The dust is now settling from that historic summit. The focus now shifting to what's next.
2: President Trump says he's confident North Korea will fulfill their end of the bargain, but many say the two-page signed document Fails to nail down the details.
7: Okay.
5: The ink now dry with great fanfare. Kim Jong-un committing to the complete denuclearization of the Korean Peninsula. But will he deliver? The president's suggesting it comes down to trust.
7: I believe he's going to live up to that accurate. In fact, when he lands, which is going to be shortly, I think that he will start that process right away.
5: How can the U.S. be sure? A key missing ingredient... No requirement that Kim Jong-un disclose how many weapons he has, or where they are hidden.
17: There's always a possibility that North Korea can hide things in thousands of miles of underground tunnels, which you cannot verify. You can only verify what they declare, and that's why the declaration is so important.
5: What else is missing from the summit document? No definition of denuclearization. No details on verification. Tonight, lawmakers, even some Republicans, say it's too vague.
0: This is an agreement in
17: principle. It's not an agreement that can be enforced. It's an idea. I don't know that there's anything to, uh, uh, that of concrete nature yet to trust, if you know what
0: I'm saying.
5: Still, the president says this is just a beginning, that he has accomplished something no other president could, a meeting with a North Korean leader. But did he get enough in return?
17: Now the task is to really put meat on the bones. Um, Secretary Pompeo will have to start negotiations right away to see if there can be any concrete steps that are taken towards denuclearization.
1: Support is pouring in for U.S. Olympian Bodie Miller and his family as they mourn the death of their 19-month-old daughter. Authorities say the toddler fell into a pool and drowned. The Olympian sharing photos on social media of the toddler saying, never in a million years did we think we would experience pain like this. Miller and his wife Morgan were at a neighbor's house when the toddler went missing for a few minutes. She was found in the pool and they were unable to resuscitate her.
2: In health matters tonight, a new report sheds light on a growing crisis in this province. B.C. has the highest poverty rate among seniors in the country. And as Linda Aylesworth reports, it's rising at an alarming pace.
8: B.C. is number one in many ways, but that's not always a good thing.
18: British Columbia has the highest rates of seniors living in poverty in Canada.
8: According to the BC Seniors Poverty Report card, 8.8% of BC seniors live in poverty compared to the 6.6% national average. And those numbers are on the rise. Close to 34,000 BC seniors lived in poverty in 2000. 15 years later, that doubled. The reason, not simply because there are more seniors.
18: Now, that doesn't fully account for why our rates of seniors living in poverty are so high in B.C., and I think that's a question that does live on.
8: Scott Graham is a social justice researcher who helped author the report using Stats Canada data. He looked at seniors' incomes, not their standard of living. Poverty was measured as incomes of $22,000 a year or less, forcing many to make hard choices.
18: Do I pay my rent or do I eat food or do I go see my relatives or do I spend the money on one of my grandchildren?
8: Hardest hit? Singles, 16% of whom are low income versus just 4.9% of couples.
18: The big driver for that is the combined income factor. Seniors that are living in couples will have more income to use to purchase the essentials of life.
8: While the reason why B.C. tops the seniors' poverty list was not the goal of this report, Graham is hopeful that the B.C. government's recent interest in developing a poverty reduction plan will help.
18: We're the last province in Canada to have one, and we're hopeful that it'll include specific strategies that are geared towards helping seniors that are living in poverty.
8: Linda Aylesworth, Global News. The provincial
1: government is offering support for those with diabetes. The NDP promising today to get rid of funding restrictions On insulin pumps, under the existing rules, people over the age of 25 had to either pay for the device or forego getting one. Those pumps cost up to $7,000 and have to be replaced every five years. Now the government is spending $15 million over the next three years to fund the pumps for the more than 800 patients in B.C. who need them. The announcement made by Health Minister Adrian Dix, who is himself a diabetic.
0: Uh, what we're doing today is eliminating all barriers and providing the coverage fully no matter what your age or where you live in British Columbia. You're watching Global News Hour at 6.
2: A surprise for subway riders in Arlington, Virginia, the passenger that obviously skipped the turnstile after Christie's forecast. <laughs>
1: No um, compass card, I guess.
2: No compass card.
1: <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, Christy Gordon joining us now with the weather forecast. If we can just get through the next couple of days, Christy. But-
16: that's exactly right. And then we're headed towards heat. And I'm going to show you that in a second. But I thought, yes, quickly, uh, it is raining right across much of the province. I'm going to ignore that and show you some photos, though, of butterflies. How about that? Uh, we've Anise yeah. Do you know them?
2: Huh, I watched yeah. you on BC1. Oh,
16: okay. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, the Anise Swallowtail, we've had a lot of people sending me photos of them. They're not monarch uh, butterflies, by the way. And you can tell by the blue and the orange there. But they're massive butterflies. And when you look at it and compare, of the flowers there they're about three inches long or eight centimeters and here's some more of the photos thank you to everyone who sent them to me it's always great to see what you're experiencing across the province so there you go in parksville as well now we got to talk about this heat that's on the way we have still another 24 hours of unsettled conditions for those of us on the coast for those of you in the interior about two days of cool weather and then as we head into the weekend a big upper level ridge will begin to build and it is going to heat up over the weekend and next week it's going to We're talking about record-breaking conditions potentially. Those of you in the interior, low 30s, areas away from the water, even in the lower mainland, could see temperatures into the 30s. For Metro Vancouver, this is what it could look like. So, by Tuesday 27, Wednesday will be even hotter still. So, Let's back things up, though. We do need to get through the rain. We can handle it, though. So rain on and off overnight through much of the morning hours. By the afternoon, conditions ease off to just a chance of showers. How much rain? Not a lot. We're talking about 5 to 10 millimeters. That's about it. A little heavier up towards Squamish. Those of you across the north coast will also feel the effects of it further inland, mainly cloudy, a chance of showers, and unsettled conditions with that risk of thunderstorms. And you can see it here across the south as well. So Wednesday, Thursday. Thursday sort of looking like that. For those of you in the interior, transition day is Friday. For the South Coast, our transition day is Thursday. So one more soggy day on the way. And then Thursday, just a slight chance of showers. Friday, we start to clear out and then we really start to heat up. And it looks like we could hold that sunshine into the latter part of next week as well. I'll leave you with a nice shot from Pritchard. This one from Sandra. She said, this is sunset versus rainstorm.
1: That is beautiful. Thank Mm -hmm. you very much. Well, back to that unexpected
2: subway patron in Arlington, Virginia. A deer managed to find its way into the subway station this morning.
1: The wandering animal caught on surveillance as it galloped across the platform. The deer then jumped onto the tracks and incredibly managed to make it out without hitting the electrified third rail or a train. No person or animal was hurt in the making of this video. Just some shocked faces. At seeing the deer in the tunnel. She can't believe it.
2: (laughs) Quite amazing. Mm -hmm. All right, it's a story now that's bringing many to tears. We showed you the video last night. A high school pitcher and his team advancing to the state championship.
1: But in order to do so, he had to strike out his best friend. And it's what he did after that that went viral. Tonight, the pair is talking about that heart-melting moment.
0: It was an extraordinary end to a hard-fought game. Yeah. But it was this extraordinary moment that has people still cheering in St. Paul and beyond. Oh look at hugged you. Pitcher Ty Kane had just struck out the final batter, sending his team to the state tournament. But before rushing to join the celebration, he ran to home plate to console his good friend Jack Cokin. Being that last hour, it was really rough, and uh, to have Ty come
7: up to me after the game that was huge for me because you know I need someone who's there for me, and uh, Ty was the guy. Everyone
5: knows how it feels to be in that situation, so I felt like I I needed to go up to him and say something, and just was spontaneous and felt like the right thing to do.
0: The two grew up playing ball together.
5: When we were about 13 or 14 years old, we were on a traveling baseball team, and that's where we got pretty close,
0: and we wanted to keep in touch ever since then. They learned how to win and lose, and always put friendship first.
7: 20 years from now, I'll think back to that game. I will not
0: remember the score at all, but I remember what tied it for me, and that's really all that matters. That spontaneous hug was the best play of the game, a home run in sportsmanship.
2: Stand by for a Beatles reference right off the top of the
17: sports cap. Well, I will say this. Mm-hmm. He was just 17. You know what I mean. <laughs> anyway. And the way he- oh, we Thank had the rim dr- shot. Thank you. Nice. Thank you very much. Uh, well, anyway, he is just 17. Whitecaps teen sensation Alfonso Davies today named the MLS Player of the Week. He got a goal and three assists against Orlando on Saturday in that 5 2 win by the Caps. This really is becoming Alfonso Davies' breakout season, the one that may earn him a job with a big name European team in the very near future. He is just the fifth teenager to win this Player of the Week award. Now, in their last six games, the Whitecaps have scored 16 goals, and Alfonso Davies is one of the big reasons for that outburst. Even before the Caps were finishing, when they weren't getting goals, they were getting lots of chances earlier in the year, and it was a lot of it was because of him, his speed. He's already one of the best ball handlers in MLS. Four points and one match against Orlando, the most in MLS history by a player who was just 17. Alright, two of the biggest teams at the World Cup will start in the same group. Spain, which has a 20-match unbeaten streak going, and Portugal, of course, led by Cristiano Ronaldo. They're not only in Group B together, their first game of the World Cup will be against each other on Friday. Chanel has a preview of Group B, where uh, both the Spanish and Portuguese are expected to reach the knockout stage.
7: Group B features two of the world powers. Now, barring a major upset, Spain and Portugal are expected to advance. But the big question is which nation wins the group and receives an easier matchup in the round of 16. Spain was unstoppable through qualifying nine wins, a draw, scoring 36 goals, allowing just three. Now, up front, a star-studded cast. Four players, including Diego Costa, who chipped in with at least five goals. The midfield has gotten younger, and they still boast one of the best squads in the world. A lot will depend on what tactics the manager plans to invoke. In likely his final World Cup appearance, Cristiano Ronaldo hopes to lead Portugal to another major trophy after hoisting the Euro title two years ago. He'll be counted on once again as this talented side looks to make a deep run. Their opening match versus Spain could set the tone for the Portuguese. advance or yet another failure at the group stage. After going undefeated in qualifying, Morocco makes its first trip to the final in 20 years. Their strength is the defense, which did not concede a single goal in those six qualifying matches, but a lack of threat in the final third could be Morocco's undoing in a group with two soccer giants. Iran went unbeaten in 18 qualifying games and had a stretch of not conceding a single goal in nine matches. But that was versus weak competition in Asia. While the backline has demonstrated some solidity, scoring is lacking in a big way. Iran looks destined to miss out on the knockout stage for the second straight final.
17: Probably one of my favorite all right so has he USB put that goal.
7: thing down since they won
17: yeah. it alex ovechkin again, and the capitals look Alan, at the size we of the crowd here and tj oshi for some reason does this hmm. i think if you drink a beer like that through your shirt you don't get drunk as fast
1: <laughs> or you get drunk faster and
17: mm-hmm. again with the uh,
12: the lift and here we go
17: we want to say, say
12: thanks for our families and for you guys thank you very much babes, babes.
17: Oh, wait a minute. Now the Freddie Mercury bit. There you go. (laughs) At the same time, all the way across the continent, the Golden State Warriors doing another victory parade, their third in four years. U.S. Open is going to start this week in Shinnecock Hills, which is in New York, a very small town in New York. Uh, the last time it was held there, Phil Mickelson finished second. He's done that a lot. Mickelson actually has six second-place finishes at the U.S. Open. No wins. He loves this course, though, one that will
12: reward those with great short games. The chipping and short game around the greens are uh, uh, going to be a huge factor this week. The short game is going to be challenged. Putting will be challenged as well as ball striking, irons, driver. I, I feel as though the, the the luck of the the uh, of a course has been uh, taken out as much as possible to where skill is the primary factor. I think we're going to have a great leaderboard and a great tournament.
17: Shinnecock Hills, yes. Uh, There is a serious squabble in the Ottawa senator's family. The wife of defenseman Eric Carlson has gone to the police accusing the fiancé of Senator's forward Mike Hoffman of harassing and cyberbullying her and her family. It's alleged there have been hundreds of online posts that are derogatory towards Eric Carlson and his wife Melinda. Mike Hoffman and his fiancé Monica Sarek deny they have done anything like this Perhaps this is another reason why the Senators might trade Carlson or trade Hoffman just to get the two of them apart. There you it's go.
1: It's very strange.
2: It is very strange. So weird in the locker room, too. Mm-hmm. Oh, awkward that is.
1: All right. Good thing it's the
2: offseason.
3: Coming up on E.T. Canada, John Hamm, Jeremy Renner, and Ed Helms. Toronto gets a tag takeover, plus Jada Pickett Smith's X-rated confessions on her sex life in front of her seventeen year old daughter Willow. And queer eyes fab five sit down with Matt Babel. That's coming up at seven, right after the news hour. Back to you, Chris and Sophie.
2: All right, thank you, Sangita. Well, visitors to one of Vancouver's most beloved parks are noticing something is missing.
1: There are large gaps in the once lush foliage in Queen Elizabeth Park. As Jean-Huat reports, the city is struggling to keep those green-thumbed thieves away.
15: Picture after picture, people try their best to capture the beauty of Queen Elizabeth Park.
5: I mean, it's absolutely inspiring and the smell and the beauty of it. This is my favorite place, actually, in
15: Vancouver. But it seems a green thumb with sticky fingers decided to take a little bit of Queen
0: Elizabeth Park, all for themselves. It's so disappointing when people just decide that they can just go there
12: and, and pull something out of the
0: ground.
15: A hole right there. Oh, yeah, a hole right there. In total, about 12 plants were stolen from the Rose Garden and other areas of the park.
0: Heartbroken staff gardeners putting up these signs in their place. So when someone just comes and takes things, we don't have a resource just to go and, and buy unlimited uh, amounts of plants. It just doesn't work that way.
15: The park board says the issue is becoming a perennial problem and suspects the thefts happened at night.
1: They think only of themselves. They, they don't really appreciate the fact that this is for everybody. It's not acceptable in case someone was confused, which can happen. And thought that that was available to them. That maybe we could emphasize that it's not.
15: That being said, at only five years old, even Tavin knows oh, yeah. the plants at the park aren't for picking.
17: Why would people take flowers
15: from me? Because it's so beautiful. Yeah.
17: Like that's 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 way not nice. <laughs>
15: By cutting down the number of thefts, the park board hopes to avoid the need to put a fence around the flowers.
7: It's not right, of course. It's not right to take the flower from the garden that everybody
12: shares.
15: Hard to imagine the alternative. A Queen Elizabeth Park where you can't soak in the beauty. Up close. John Hua, Global News.
17: They Back. should get that plant right. from Little Shop of Horrors to protect. Oh, good idea! <laughs> <The> man-eating <laughs> like, yeah, plant. Yeah, that man-eating Venus flytrap thing. That'll keep you away. Just punishment mm-hmm. for
2: those weasels.
1: It's a special day here on the News Hour.
2: It is, really. It's <laughs> special because our good friend Squire Barnes. Oh, look! AKA Why do you why we put that horrible photo from the '80s?
1: Because <laughs> we love it's it. Amazing. You
2: know <laughs> that
1: if I.
17: I really should not have been allowed out in public looking like
16: that. <laughs> wow. I really
17: shouldn't have. That is like... <laughs>
16: look, see, Aww, you've, you've barely aged at me. all. Well, you bet
17: I've come a long way from the nose and glasses you look- routine. <laughs> you look know what I look like? I look now. like a rat looking over a toothbrush.
2: <laughs> that's what I look like. Not true. <laughs>
1: <laughs> you look even younger now, Squire. Thank you very Happy much. Birthday.
2: Yeah, once shaved, Happy birthday. I shaved and took those, look at those. Thanks for watching. Oh, have a good that's night. That's
7: my San
1: Francisco
17: 49ers jacket, <laughs> too, I might add. <laughs>